but I felt like God wanted me to share this. And the title of this, if you want to call it a message, sermon, sermonette, whatever, is, Is God Marveled by You? Now, I had to do a song that's called, Lord, I'm Amazed. Or I think the technical title of the song is just Amazed. But it says, Lord, I'm amazed by you, um, which we should be, right? But did you know that God can actually be amazed by you? He can be marveled by you. And you might be thinking, how is this so? He's omniscient. He knows everything from the beginning to the end. He's Alpha and Omega. Nothing comes by surprise with him. How can I amaze him? Well, I got scripture to back it up, so... Roll with me, all right? There's a word that gets translated, and depends on which translation you look at, it gets translated as marveled, amazed, surprised. Um, and this is a Greek word called thalmazo. Everyone say thalmazo. You guys all speak Greek now. <laughs> Woohoo! But thalmazo is a Greek word that is used to describe this. It's it's a, an expression of awe, of being caught off guard maybe, to be surprised. This is the word that was used by the people when they would see Jesus do miracles. And it would say that they were thalmazo by what he did. They were amazed by the things that he would say, that he spoke as somebody with authority. They were amazed when somebody was healed, all these different things. Amazed when the demons were cast out of this boy that was demon-possessed for years. This is the word that was used. This specific word shows up 44 times in the New Testament. 31 of them are in the Gospels alone. Fitting, right? I mean, Jesus was the most marvelous, amazing person to ever walk the earth. And therefore, the written accounts of him should have this word probably appear quite a bit, right? I mean, if you do 31 times, that's a good chunk just for each gospel alone, right? For it to appear. Thank you. My wife with all the commentary. (laughs) So, this word appears a lot, right? And I want to bring up two occurrences that it's used. And every single gospel account of this this word, all 31, except for two, are about him being amazing and what he did, amazing people, or other people being surprised by what he did. I mean, this is even the same word that's used when he wouldn't speak to defend himself before he went to the cross. They were surprised, amazed that he would not say a word. It has this idea of speechlessness that comes with it. His speechlessness caused them to be speechless, that he wouldn't speak up. Um, So only two accounts in the Gospels is it Jesus being amazed by people. Do you guys think those are pretty important accounts to read on? I mean, I would imagine so, right? That's why I did it. 
So I didn't know this until today. Like I was reading this, studying it, learning it, and I'm like, there was just one story that came to mind. And the one story that comes to mind, I'm sure we've all read it before, is in Matthew 8. This is the story of the faith of a centurion, somebody who was a Roman officer in charge of a hundred soldiers, and the faith that he had was described as amazing. Um, I'm reading out of the ESV translation. NIV uses the word amazing. The ESV uses the word marvelous, marveled. Um, But either way, it paints this picture of it was shocking. It was incredible. It was eye-opening. It was inspiring. So let's read it together, okay? Uh, Matthew chapter 8, we're going to start at verse 5 here. It says, when he entered, he being Jesus, entered Capernaum, a centurion came forward to him, appealing to him, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering terribly. And he said to him, I will come and heal him. Some translations actually say Jesus said, shall I come and heal him? He pointed it as a question. What do you want me to do? You want me to do this? So it says, but the centurion replied, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. But only say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I too am a man under authority, with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes. And to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, He marveled. He was amazed. This is that Thalmidzo word. He marveled and said to those who followed him, Truly I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. I tell you, many will come from east and west and recline at table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven while the sons of the kingdom will be thrown into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And to the centurion Jesus said, Go, let it be done for you as you have believed. And the servant was healed at that very moment. You read this passage and, I mean, it's... I want you guys to try and put yourselves there. Jesus, at this point, he started his ministry. He's done some, some stuff. He's done some healings. He's done some miracles by this point. It, it doesn't say how far into his ministry this is, but you at least know he's been walking around in Israel since, his, since he was able to walk, right? He was born in the nation, right? He's Jewish. He was born there. He's gone to synagogue for years. (laughs) He himself has sat under the teachings of rabbis, hearing their words. He's seen some people that have faith here and there, right? And he himself is blown away that nowhere in Israel has he seen such faith. It's 
it's amazing that he, he comes and some of the most incredible experiences that we get to see in Scripture are him with the people he didn't even originally come for. Because <laughs> he first came, it says he came for all, but he first came for the house of Israel. And the ones that knocked his socks off, so to speak, half the time, were the people that were not even Jewish. <laughs> well, actually, there is an account of Jewish people knocking his socks off, too. <laughs> They amazed him, and I want us to see this. And this was one, when I was studying this, I was like, well, I've heard this. What about the other stories in Scripture where he seems to kind of be surprised? And I looked up this specific word, and that's where I started to look and say, where does this word show up, this thalmizo? Where does it appear in Scripture? Where does it show up in the New Testament and specifically the Gospels? And the one other time that this thing shows up is in Mark, in Mark 6, and if you guys want to go there, in Mark 6, I'll just give you the background. He's, he's in his hometown of Nazareth. He's a Nazarite, right? And while he's there, he's, he goes to synagogue, and he gets up, and he reads the passage in Isaiah that basically says, I'm the Messiah. <laughs> That's what he does. He gets up in front of all these people who know him. People who grew up with him. They knew his family. They knew where he came from. They knew his dad. They knew his mom. I mean, they seemingly think they know everything about him. And he gets there and he tells them, this is who I am. I want you to know this passage of Scripture that was foreshadowing, it was talking about the coming Messiah, has now been fulfilled in your midst. And the people are filled with unbelief, it says. Which I think is kind of a funny phrase, because how do you, how do you get filled with something that's empty? <laughs> but they were. Um, it says that they had unbelief. And specifically, verse 6 of chapter 6, Mark 6, 6, says, and he marveled because of their unbelief. And then it says, and he went about among the villages teaching. He wasn't able to heal much because of their unbelief, it says in Scripture. That because of the unbelief of the people there, there was only some, a few miracles that were able to happen. <laughs> it was just one miracle you think would be enough, right? But... Now, the Messiah would be really, really doing a lot of miracles. But for whatever reason, they didn't believe it. Now, again, my question for you, is God marveled by you? And the follow-up question based off of these two passages is, if he is marveled by you, why? I don't know about you, but I want to be having God get, I want to get God's attention for a good reason. Not for a bad one. I want him to be amazed by the life that I live for him. Not the life that I choose not to live for him. When time and time again there's been evidence, there's been proof of him in my life and I choose to reject it. I don't want that. I want him to be amazed. I want him to be marveled 
at the faith that I have, which can be hard to do sometimes, right? It's hard to have faith. But according to the centurion, he didn't have any grid work, right? He had no grid work of Christianity, of Judaism, nothing, other than maybe the few Jews that he talked to while being a Roman officer in Israel. And that's the guy that it says amazed God. Because that's, that's the thing that blew my mind. God was amazed. Like, can you think about that for a moment? Like, God was blown away by this guy's faith. I'm like, how in the world can God be surprised by something? How can we be amazed by this? How can this be something that gets him to drop his jaw? (laughs) Can I really do that? Well, according to this, we can. We can actually amaze God with our faith. But according to this also, we can also amaze God with our lack of it. With our unbelief. With our refusal to accept what he said. Our refusal to accept what he's doing. Because he was doing things in their midst. And they didn't want to hear it. They didn't want to believe it. It says that they even tried to kill him as a result of his declaration. So my question for you is, what kind of faith do you have? Does it make him amazed? And if so, is it a good way or not? I would say there's a third category of he's not even he's not even getting any attention from like as far as your faith is concerned you're not turning his attention to you <laughs> cuz there can be a place of apathy too that's not complete rejection that's just a meh whatever i guess you'll do it if you want to god <laughs> well that's that's not the kind of faith that gets his attention So I ask you, this is, this is the gist of what I got for you, and I want us to talk about it. I want you guys to discuss these things. Are there things in your life that maybe you've lost some hope in, some belief in? And I did actually want to read this. Hebrews 11 just gives an understanding of what faith is. In Hebrews 11, it just describes it. It gives a definition which if the Bible gives a definition, we should probably pay attention to it. It's probably more important than the dictionary one. (laughs) Sweet. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Yep. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. Take that, evolution. (laughs) Take that, Big Bang Theory. All that stuff. The earth was created. There was a beginning, right? So, when you see this, and you see... One person had assurance of something hoped for, and one person rejected the concept of hope even coming. 
His hope was really in their midst. That's what Jesus was. He was the embodiment of it. He was the hope of the world. And they rejected it, right? So I want you guys to think about the things that you're going through in life right now. Is, and there's some things that might be shaking your faith. They're rocking your faith. You're, you're having a hard time holding on. But I encourage you to trust in him. Lean on him. Rely on him. Believe that he's going to do what he said he will. And that I know for myself, I want him to be marveled not at my stubbornness, <laughs> not at my disbelief, but at my belief. I want it to be something that catches his eye. I want it to be something that grabs his attention. And he goes, that guy right there, <laughs> that's my son. <laughs> He's my beloved. He's, he is my child. He trusts in me. He knows I'm not going to leave him alone. He knows that I'm going to follow through with my promises. He knows that he can take what I say at my word, and it will not go unaccomplished. That I mean what I say. And some of you just need to start with what he says about you. You need to start with what he says about you. He, you need to start with what he says about your family, what he says about where you are right now. Because if you don't trust him with where you are now, you'll never trust him with where he's taking you. So that's what I have for you. I'm going to pray. And I want you guys to just talk at your tables. Where's, where's your faith at? Is there something that you're, you're going, man, I'd really like to marvel, to have God marvel at my faith with this, but I don't think I have much there right now. And I want you guys to pray for each other at your table. And if there's things that are too uncomfortable for you to share, I understand, okay? Um, we'll try to have some dialogue and discussion. But God, we want to be people that blow your mind. Scripture here says that we can be, that we can have a faith that gets your attention, that we can have a trust in you that's so unshakable that it makes you drop your jaw. Lord, I pray that we would be a people that trusts in you to the point like the Roman centurion, that we, we know that you're going to see it through. And, and God, that we would have a fear of the Lord like the centurion had, because that's really what started it all, was him trusting that you are God and that he saw himself as simply unworthy to have you even step in his house, which is really the truth of it with our own life, that we were unworthy to have you step foot into our life, but you did anyways. God, I pray that we would not follow in the footsteps of the Nazareth people, that we would trust in you and that we would not let there be things that blind us and keep us from believing the truth of what you've said and what you are doing. We wouldn't allow the unbelief of other people 
to affect us, to cause us to be unbelieving as well. That we would be, maybe there's people in our life where it seems like there's just unbelief all around us. But the truth is that there were people there that still received miracles. There were people there that still heard you speak and did something with it. It might be a few. But God, if that's the case, I want to be the few. I don't want to be the people that was rejecting you. So God, I pray that we would just trust in you. We would trust you at your word. We would listen to what you're saying and what you're speaking and that we would run with it. Let it be the wind in our sails. In Jesus' name, amen.